0: GX on Agriculture, with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan is calling on Transport Canada to implement the National Supply Chain Task Force's recommendation to expand railway inter-switching zones in May. We'll hear from the President of APAS, Ian Boxall. The Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities has joined forces with two provincial cattle organizations to call for support for the Saskatchewan cattle industry. SARM President Ray Orb will be on today's program. The East Central Research Foundation farm near Yorkton has concluded a three year study as one of four locations across the province. We'll hear from Research Coordinator Mike Hall. About that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka. Your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan, or APAS, is calling on Transport Canada to implement the National Supply Chain Task Force's recommendation to expand railway inter switching zones in May of this year. The request was made in a letter to the Federal Transport Minister expressing support for the National Supply Chain Task Force's final report that was released in October of 2021. Ian Boxall is the president of APAS.
1: We saw it from 2015 to 2018 where it was increased to 160 kilometers inter-switching, which just increases competitiveness to ensure that our products get to port in a timely fashion. And, you know, this is a request that came out of the National Supply Chain Task Force that identified that this could be a tool used to help shippers. And I think it's time that the railroads signed on and and did it onto their own accord and come up with rates for inter-switching that are competitive and that work and that and that let's do what's best for the shippers of this country. In a country where we export most of what we produce, and, and in Saskatchewan where we export, you know, where the largest exporter of grain, we need to ensure that our supply chain gets those products to port as quick as possible.
0: Currently, shippers must be within just 30 kilometres of an interchange, and he says that's not good enough.
1: It just doesn't captivate enough of the shippers within the 30 kilometres. You know, if that got increased to 160 it encompasses a lot more of the shippers that would have that ability to uh, to request service from the, you know, the other railroad that they aren't serviced by. So I just think it it encompasses more shippers and gives them options to ship their
0: product. Boxall is hoping that Ottawa will mandate expanded inter-switching as soon as possible.
1: You know, I think the government and the CTA would have to regulate it to a certain extent, but, you know, with the same token... It's time that the railroads stepped up and did what did what's best for shipping in Canada. And this is one, you know, it's not the be-all, end-all, but this is one thing that could in, increase competitiveness and, and could also ensure that our products are getting shipped in a timely manner. So maybe it's time the railroads were looked at this and quit worrying about their own bottom line and worry about what's best for the country.
0: He notes that with Saskatchewan being a landlocked province, we're at the mercy of the rail companies.
1: Yeah, we we have no choice, right? We can't truck our grain to port. We we need the railroads to do it. We need them to do it in a timely fashion. You know, we're hearing of delays already in contracts from this year, you know, two, three months out that haven't been be able to be delivered because of shipping issues, and it's and it's just it's every year. There there's shipping issues every year, and it's just time that the railroad stepped up and did what's best for Canada and for Canadians.
0: Box All Hopes Federal Agriculture Minister Marie Claude Bibault and Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt take up their cause.
1: Hoping this will start some conversations, and we are in Ottawa next week for the CFA AGM, and maybe we'll have some conversations at our meetings there about this.
0: He thinks expanded interswitching would save farmers money in the long run.
1: Yeah, I think it could, you know, save costs. It could also, you know, there's costs associated when we can't deliver our contracts, you know, like so farmers... You know, sell grain based on when they need the money and you get delays in that and it it jeopardizes the cash flow and stuff of producers. And it's just, it's a win-win for the shippers and, and it's time that our two big railroads that make tremendous amounts of money every year step up and do what's right.
0: And Boxall adds it may result in improved rail car performance from the two main railroads.
1: No, I think the performance is down a little bit, and it always happens every year in winter. And it's funny, we get winter every year in Canada for the last forever, and yet every year winter's an issue in shipping. So we just are asking for, you know, a few tools that they could implement, the government, the CTA, and even just voluntarily the railroads to do it for the betterment
0: of everybody. Ian Boxall is the president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. New full year data on Canada's farm cash receipts in calendar year 2022 show how increased commodity prices last year more than offset the drop in quantities sold. Statistics Canada has released figures showing Canadian farm cash receipts in 2022 at $94.9 billion, up 14.1% from 2021, including crop receipts of $53.9 billion, also up 14.1%, livestock receipts of $33.6 billion, up 12.1%, and direct payments from crop insurance and other programs at $7.345 billion, up 23.6%. Each of the provinces in 2022 logged increases in total farm cash receipts on the year, led by Alberta, up $3.5 billion at $22.2 billion, Ontario up $2.3 billion at $21.7 billion, and Saskatchewan up one point nine billion dollars at twenty one point zero three billion reduced crop marketings in twenty twenty two stemmed from low beginning inventories for most crops at the start of the calendar year, despite better growing conditions relative to western Canada's drought dented twenty twenty one Peas are seeing good movement in Western Canada ahead of spring although prices have held steady over the past month. Alan Johnston of Johnston's Grain in Welwyn says the yellow pea market has some life again. He adds there were also a few companies chasing after some coverage for green peas, with lots of grain moving right now. Through the crop year to date, Canadian farmers delivered 1.92 million metric tons of peas into the commercial pipeline as of February 19th up by 42% from the same point the previous year. Exports are also running well ahead of the year ago, with the 1.29 million metric tons move through the first 29 weeks of the 2022-23 crop year nearly double the 748,700 metric tons reported by the same time in 2021-22. BASF has decided to cease its activities in hybrid wheat seed development in North America. The company says it plans to refocus its efforts on the European markets, where it sees the greatest opportunity to successfully bring the innovation to farmers. BASF says it has made significant progress with hybrid wheat breeding and seed production research. In June of 2021, BASF officially launched the hybrid wheat brand i for the European and North American market, saying at the time that commercial release was expected in the middle of the decade. The decision is part of a larger rescoping and optimizing of the company as a whole that will result in the reduction of staff. The month of March has once again been proclaimed as Agriculture Literacy Month in Saskatchewan. Agriculture Literacy Month connects students of all ages to agriculture through presentations led by industry volunteers. Throughout the month of March, industry volunteers from all levels of food production will join classrooms to share presentations and personal experiences to help students learn more about agriculture. Agriculture in the Classroom has been an important organization in Saskatchewan for many years now. This year's theme is Agricultural Stewardship, which will teach students about the important relationship between producers and the environment. Canada's prairies are looking at normal temperatures over the next month to three months, according to Environment and Climate Change Canada. The Federal Department yesterday issued its temperature and precipitation probabilistic forecasts, which also called for normal precipitation for most of the region. Temperature-wise, Environment Canada projected below normal weather for British Columbia and parts of Alberta. As for precipitation over the same time frame, Environment Canada has not called for any growing areas in Canada to receive any amounts above normal. However, southern Alberta and western Saskatchewan are projected to receive below normal precipitation as are Nova Scotia and southern New Brunswick. That left the remainder of Canada's growing areas likely to get normal levels of rain or snow over the coming months. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned, GX on Agriculture will return right after these messages. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture, I'm Doug Falconer. It's partly sunny and minus 16 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities, or SARM, has joined forces with two provincial cattle organizations to call for support for the Saskatchewan cattle industry. SARM President Ray Orb says they've partnered with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association and the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association, Orb is worried about declining numbers of cattle producers in the province.
2: We have a lot of common issues with uh, both the stock growers and the cattlemen association here in the province, and uh, I think we're both uh, setting out to try and do the same thing to try and I think solve some of the problems, some of the issues that, that ranchers are are facing out in the in the cattle industry, and uh, and one of them that we cited is, of course, the uh, shortage of uh, of rural veterinarians, large animal practice uh, veterinarians. Uh, I know the province has done uh, some good things. They've created more seats at the uh, the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in Saskatoon, but um, we believe that more needs to be done.
0: He would also like to see Ottawa step up to help livestock price insurance premiums be more affordable for producers.
2: You no, know, we're we're asking you know the federal government to look into this to create kind of a, like a national program so that would involve and um, the federal government sharing in the in the share of producer premiums uh, to make that more affordable for for Saskatchewan livestock producers. Um, But also safety net programs, you know, we uh, are aware of programs like Agri-Stability, Agri-Invest, you know, production insurance. And we're asking, uh, you know, even crop insurance here in Saskatchewan to look at uh, perhaps delivering some new programs that would help livestock producers on their farms.
0: Orb notes drought is a big concern in western Saskatchewan right now.
2: Yeah, it is, and you know we're looking at uh, we're looking at the soil moisture map, and we're seeing you know there's still a good part of our province that's uh, dry, some moderately dry, but some severely dry. And uh, if we don't get uh, rainfall in the spring, perhaps you know a little bit more snow this winter, but but surely more rain in the spring, we're going to be facing another drought in a big part of our province.
0: He would like to see more action in reducing the veterinarian shortage in the province.
2: Well, the veterinarian shortage—I think it's something that needs to be, you know, and that's, it's a funding model needs to be there where you know there are more seats created for sure. That the uh, uh, province has addressed that. I, you know, I think that's probably good in the medium to longer term. But in the short term, we've got some areas of the province where they do have a shortage of vets. We're hearing that there are some clinics that are uh, restricted hours. Uh, some are, some are perhaps closed on the weekends and things like that. But I think we. Probably we probably need to get to perhaps some of our younger people out in the rural areas to, uh, to uh, you know, give them more information and, and create interest out there about uh, young people getting involved in veterinary medicine and some of those young people uh, that live on our ranches and our farms in rural Saskatchewan are good candidates to be veterinarians, so I think we need to help uh, educate them as well.
0: Orb remains very concerned about the future of the beef industry in Saskatchewan.
2: I think it's because of the sell-off. We see this, uh, you know, in Western Canada especially because of drought. Uh, and I think it's a lot to do with with the uh, prices that producers are receiving uh, for their livestock when they sell them. Just not being high, quite high enough because the cost of production is very high. Things like carbon tax on top of uh, existing expenses certainly doesn't help it's something we've been trying to address with the with the federal government to no avail but certainly cost of production being very high uh about creating people uh, in some cases to sell off a large part of their herds and so we're looking at this now is this industry going to be able to survive in the long term that's why we're meeting with organizations uh in this province to discuss this
0: that's arm president ray orb livestock market conditions U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 165.35 this hour. That's down 12. June live cattle trading at 160.60, down 75. April feeder cattle trading at 194.15, down 92. May feeder cattle trading at 199.05, down 57. April Lean Hogs trading at 8502 down fifteen. May lean hogs trading at ninety-three seventy-five down sixty-five. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. The East Central Research Foundation farm near Yorkton has concluded a three year study as one of four locations across the province. Research coordinator Mike Hall says it was to determine if newer malt barley varieties require more nitrogen.
3: This is the last year for our Barley Max trials. These trials were developed by Mitch Jap from Sask Barley and they're being led by us through ECRF and Parkland College. The second trial in this project was designed to determine if the optimum rate of nitrogen for newer and higher yielding malt barley varieties like Synergy or Bow differs from older industry standards like Metcalf. Trial locations in 2020 and 2021 were Yorkton, Melfort, Prince Albert and Swift Current. Have you ever noticed that high yielding wheat varieties tend to have lower grain protein? While this is not desirable for hard red spring varieties destined for the human consumption market, it is desirable for grains destined for alcohol production, like ethanol wheat or malt barley. Less protein means more starch to turn into alcohol. Some of the newer malt barley varieties are much higher yielding than the old standby AC Metcalf. This made us wonder if high yielding varieties of malt barley had lower grain protein than AC Metcalf, and if so, Would the most economic rate of nitrogen be higher for these varieties? To present the results of the study, I felt it was best to split the trials into high and low yielding groups. There are seven site years in the high yielding group and five in the low yielding group. The low yielding site years were the result of drought, which resulted in grain yields that were unresponsive to added nitrogen and grain protein levels that were too high for malt. Yield and grain protein from the low yielding site years 40 bushels per acre and 15 percent. In contrast the high yielding site years averaged 92 bushels per acre of grain with a lower protein content of 12 percent. High protein is not desired by maltsters and for the sake of argument I will assume grain protein above 12.5 percent in the study is not suitable for malt. These are the main effects of barley variety on yield for the high yielding site years and the low yielding sites. On average, Synergy was the highest yielding variety followed by Bow and then Metcalf for both groups. However, Bow did not yield statistically more than Metcalf when yield potential was low. In both cases, grain protein for Metcalf was higher, which makes sense as it typically has a lower yield potential. These varietal rankings were fairly consistent between site years, but there were a few exceptions. For example, yields did not statistically differ between varieties in Prince Albert in 2021, despite it being a high yielding site. Here is the effect of increasing nitrogen on barley yield for the low yielding site years. Note the scale is soil plus fertilizer N, so the yield response to added nitrogen is not starting until 78 pounds of nitrogen per acre, which is the average level of N in the top two feet of soil. Yield response to increasing nitrogen are represented by the blue line for AC Metcalf, orange line for Synergy, and gray line for Bow. Clearly none of the varieties are particularly responsive to added nitrogen for the low yielding site years. In contrast, the protein was increasing sharply with added nitrogen for all varieties. The levels of protein are much higher for Metcalf compared to the other varieties, but regardless of variety, all protein levels are well above 13%, even when no nitrogen was applied. None of the varieties are likely to make malt based on protein, but CDC Bow and AAC Synergy have a better chance. The information here implies that Metcalf should be fertilized with less nitrogen than the other varieties. But let's see how things shake out for the high yielding group. Here are the yield responses to added nitrogen for the high yielding site years. Soil nitrogen reserves for these sites average 82 pounds of nitrogen per acre, which is just a touch higher than the 78 pounds of nitrogen per acre for the low yielding group. You can see Metcalf in blue is lower yielding than the other varieties, and is hitting a yield plateau at a lower level of soil plus fertilizer nitrogen. This alone implies that Metcalf will require less nitrogen to maximize yield, but we still need to look at the grain protein. Again, Metcalf in blue has a higher grain protein than the other varieties. Assuming barley grain with a protein greater than 12.5% won't make malt, then less nitrogen needs to be applied to Metcalf than the other varieties. For simplicity's sake, let's remove Bo and just compare Metcalf with Synergy. For Metcalf, 12.5% grain protein was reached at 164 pounds of soil plus fertilizer nitrogen. In contrast, 12.5% grain protein for Synergy in orange was not reached until 208 pounds of soil plus fertilizer N. That's a huge difference of 44 pounds of nitrogen per acre. Let's go back to the yield responses for Metcalf and Synergy. At the rate of nitrogen that results in 12.5% protein for Metcalf, Metcalf yielded 97 bushels per acre, and Synergy yielded 106 bushels per acre. But we can still push the rate of nitrogen for Synergy another 44 pounds of nitrogen per acre before we reach 12.5% protein. This also provided us with another four bushels per acre for Synergy. But should we be pushing nitrogen rates this far, and should we be applying 144 pounds of nitrogen more to Synergy relative to Metcalf? Well, let's apply some economics to these response curves. If we go back to the 2021 crop planning guide when economics were brighter, nitrogen only cost 47 cents per pound and malt barley was $5.20 per bushel. With these assumptions, the most economic rate of soil plus fertilizer N was 164 pounds per acre for Metcalf and 194 pounds per acre for Synergy. With these economics, Synergy only requires 30 pounds of nitrogen per acre more and not the extra 44 pounds of nitrogen per acre it could be fertilized with before exceeding 12.5% protein. However, this is still a big difference. One of the reasons it's so large is we can't increase the level of soil plus fertilizer N above 164 pounds per acre without increasing grain protein beyond 12.5% for Metcalf. At 164 pounds of nitrogen per acre for Metcalf, one additional dollar spent on nitrogen is returning nine in malt. In contrast, at 194 pounds of nitrogen for Synergy, grain protein is still below 12.5% and one dollar spent on nitrogen is returning one dollar worth of grain. Perhaps a fair comparison between varieties would be to compare them both at a dollar of nitrogen providing a dollar nine of grain. If we do this, the most economic level of nitrogen for Synergy has dropped to 186 pounds per acre. Now the difference in optimum N between the varieties is only 22 pounds of nitrogen per acre. But wait! I can drop the difference even more if I use the poor economic scenario from the 2023 crop planning guide of $1.18 per pound of nitrogen and $6.76 per bushel of malt. In this case the most economic rates of soil plus fertilizer N are pushed down to 144 pounds per acre for Metcalf and 156 pounds per acre for Synergy. This is only a difference of 12 pounds of nitrogen per acre And this is when the last dollar you spent on nitrogen generates one dollar of grain. If you want your last dollar spent on nitrogen to produce a dollar ten of grain, then this shifts the optimum rates down the curve and now synergy only requires nine pounds per acre of more nitrogen. You see, the lower we go down these response curves, the more similar is the response between varieties. So we know that under high yielding conditions, Synergy could be fertilized with up to 44 pounds of nitrogen per acre more than AC Metcalf before exceeding 12.5% protein. But doing so would be risky and uneconomical. But it does show there's more wiggle room with Synergy to increase nitrogen rates. Under good economic conditions, Synergy could receive somewhere between twenty-one and thirty pounds of nitrogen per acre more than Metcalf, depending upon your risk tolerance. It's whether you want your last dollar spent on nitrogen providing a dollar ten or a dollar of grain. Twenty pounds of nitrogen per acre is probably a, a good place to experiment with if you want to try this under poor economic conditions synergy would only benefit from 9 to 12 pounds of nitrogen per acre more than ac metcalf so 10 pounds per acre sounds like a good place to start so i'd like to point out that all of this has assumed the price received for synergy and metcalf is going to be the same and I'd also like to point out that I don't suspect optimum rates of nitrogen are going to vary much between newer malt barley varieties, as their yield and protein response to added nitrogen are going to be much more similar.
0: That's Mike Hall. He is the research coordinator at the East Central Research Foundation farm near Yorkton. It's time now for the commodities update, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620 or visit lanerealty.com. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this hour. May canola trading at $820 per metric tonne. Up a dollar eighty. July canola trading at eight sixteen twenty up two dollars thirty cents. May Minneapolis wheat trading at eight sixty four and three quarters down two cents. May Kansas City wheat trading at eight eighteen per bushel up five and a quarter cents. May Chicago wheat trading at seven hundred ten and a half, that's up five cents. May corn trading at 6.36 and a quarter, up 6 cents. May soybeans trading at 14.95 and 3 quarters, up 16 and 3 quarters of a cent. May oats trading at 3.35 per bushel, unchanged from yesterday's close. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in 1 minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture, I'm Doug Faulkner. Recently we told you about the Ask a Farmer podcast produced through Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan. Clinton Monchuk is the Executive Director of Farm and Food Care and is also involved with his family's egg production operation in the Lanigan area. Clinton is the host of the Ask a Farmer podcast.
4: We have Erica Stewart with us today, and Erica is the coordinator for the Verified Beef Production Plus program here in the province of Saskatchewan. We want to know a little bit more about this program and just talk about what it means for producers of cattle here in this province. And not only that, what does it mean for the consumers that are consuming beef in this country?
5: The Verified Beef Production Plus program is a producer-driven program. It was created by the Canadian Cattle Association. So it is meant to be practical and realistic for producers to implement on their operation. The first step to the program would be to take the training. So the verified beef training consists of four modules, which are food safety, animal care, environmental stewardship, and biosecurity. And within each of those modules, there's standard operating procedures that producers would need to implement on their operations if they wanted to continue with the program and become certified. So being certified requires an on-farm audit. So that would mean one of our auditors would come to your operation and just verify that you're implementing these practices. I think the word audit is a bit scary for producers, but it's hopefully be comforting for consumers. So if they have questions, about how their beef is being raised or you know, wondering if we're raising beef humanely in Canada, this program provides that reassurance for them. And if they're interested in buying products with label claims, so VBP Plus is one of the certification bodies for the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef.
4: So I think this hits the nail on the head when we're talking to consumers. And one of the stats that I saw from the Canadian Centre for Food Integrity indicated that some consumers aren't too sure whether or not the livestock industry is humanely treating their animals. And I think maybe talk to that and how this verification system works specifically for animal care.
5: In Canada, in the beef industry, there is a document that guides animal care and handling of beef cattle. It's called the Beef Code of Practice. And there were multi-stakeholders that created that document. So veterinarians, producers enforcement agencies like SPCA, all those people were around the table and agreed on the proper care and handling of beef cattle. Any requirement from the beef code of practice then becomes a requirement of the verified beef production Plus program. So I think consumers can hopefully have some questions answered with facts and science of cattle production in Canada. And a program like this just helps because there is that third-party verification just to prove that producers are doing the right thing in regards to animal care and handling on their operations in Canada.
4: Well, thank you very much, Erica, for being on the program today. We appreciate your input and learning a little bit more about the Verified Beef Production Plus program that is throughout Canada. And thank you very much for
5: being a part. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: That was the Ask a Farmer podcast, produced by Farm and Food Care, Saskatchewan.
3: Farm Bulletin Board.
0: Applications for the Youth Employment and Skills Program are now open. The program offers support for 50% of wages to a maximum of $14,000 to agriculture employers hiring Canadian youth. Employers that hire youth facing employment barriers will be eligible for 80% of the cost of salaries and benefits and may be eligible for an additional $5,000 to address specific obstacles to employment. Applications are now open until March 27th for their project to be considered. Applications from Indigenous applicants will be prioritized for the 2023-24 program year. Application forms for the Youth Employment and Skills Program are available through their webpage, and uh, any in additional information can be found by calling 1 866 452 5558. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Moosum, Indian Head and Yorkton-Melville-Roblin-Russell regions today. Partly sunny, winds south-southeast at 10 to 20, and a high of minus 14 degrees. For tonight, mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries, winds south-southeast at 15 to 25, a low of minus 18, then rising. For tomorrow, partly sunny, winds south at 15 to 25, a high of minus 4, a low of minus 8. For Friday, a 40% chance of morning flurries, then mainly sunny. Winds northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 2. Saturday, partly to mainly sunny, a high of minus 4, and Sunday, partly sunny, a high of minus 8. In the Paw, it's minus 19 degrees. Swan River, Dauphin and Brandon are at minus 16 Show Lake Russell and Roblin minus 17. Regina, Saskatoon and Indian Head minus 13. Hudson Bay minus 16. Broadview Mooseman minus 15. winyard Wadena, Kelvington minus 14. The Yorkton Melville region has a partly sunny sky, a south southwest wind at 11 kilometers an hour. is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 16 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 23 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.